Hello there. My name is Stuart Fernie, and I want to welcome you to my series of reflections on characters and themes in some of my favourite films. I will also present thoughts on a handful of literary works, and there may be the odd vaguely philosophical piece as well. On this occasion, I will be discussing characters and themes in the 1958 film version of A Tale of Two Cities, A Tale of Disillusion, Revolution, Love, Discovery and Sacrifice. A Tale of Two Cities is set during the time of the French Revolution and tells a tale of that revolution, the injustices that led to it, the violent revolt against those injustices and the stirring into action of Sidney Carton, a lawyer who becomes embroiled in the affairs of the woman he loves and her French aristocrat husband. Sidney Carton is very much a cynical, dissolute figure at the start of the film. His life appears to be devoid of purpose, focus, principle, inspiration or belief. Dickens makes him a lawyer and he is therefore one who is used to machinations and arguments produced to deliver a desired effect. His objective is not so much to fight for principle as to fashion an intellectual argument to best his opponents. Carton has no need to invest himself in his cases. He is there to do a job for the self-seeking. He is one who contributes mindlessly to what he seems to regard as mindless word games and the pointless pitching of intellectual argument to further one's case. His very name, Carton, means cardboard in French and thereby suggests a two-dimensional figure who fits perfectly into this flexible and adaptable profession which manages to avoid commitment to the causes it presents rather like those who live life as observers rather than participants or contributors. However, there may be more to Sidney Carton than immediately meets the eye. He is not satisfied with simply fulfilling his function. He passes cutting remarks and drinks to excess, suggesting a clarity of thought and understanding which allows him to see himself and others for what they are, and he appears disappointed in what he finds, which leads to consolation in drink and mockery of those around him. The injustice of the perceived or claimed superiority of the aristocracy is embedded in the very laws of the nation, leading not just to abuse and taking advantage of fellow human beings, but worse still, a complete indifference to the fate of their fellow countrymen in terms of act, speech and attitude. There is a depiction of terrible poverty, hardship and injustice at the hands of this indifferent aristocracy who, convinced of their own superiority, fail to comprehend the vital link between the wealthy and impoverished, or the governors and the governed. Feelings run high and wrongs are done in the name of justice. In a natural desire to do away with abuse that has become systematised, individuals' merits are not taken into account and generalisation of blame leads to the taking of relatively innocent lives. Tragedy is deepened through understanding and sympathy for both sides. We certainly understand the motivation and deep desire for retribution among the rebels, yet we readily recognise the profound injustices being committed in the name of equality and fairness. Violence may be required if legal and moral measures fail, or if injustice, any favouring of one group over another, is inherent in the legal system and culture. Dr Manette stood up against the tyranny of the Marquis Saint-Evrimonde, who has caused the death of one member of a family of serfs and is accustomed to abusing other members of the same family. When Manette helps a family out through common humanity, he pays an awful price by being sent to the Bastille through the influence of Evrimonde. His daughter Lucy and servant Defarge escape. Some 18 years later, Manette is freed and is reunited with his loving and devoted daughter Lucy, who acts unselfishly out of principle. Charles Darnay, the cousin of the aforementioned Marquis Saint-Evrimonde, previously left France to settle in England, opting out of the unjust French system of aristocracy to build his own life. Lucy is instantly attracted to Darnay, though she is unaware of his roots, and their relationship matures into marriage. 
Darnay, however, is due to pay the price of his fellow aristocrat's behaviour as he is arrested and tried not so much for his own actions but for the actions of the aristocracy on the whole and the citizens wish to put an end to the aristocrat's bloodline and tyranny. Sidney Carton has also fallen for Lucy's charms, however, and this brings about a change and development in his character. Sidney is attracted by something far greater than mere physical beauty, Lucy's inner beauty. Her devotion to her father, her care for the fate of French citizens, her expression of a desire for change and a willingness to think for herself and challenge the status quo, all are qualities he clearly finds appealing, though he may not express such an opinion. Interestingly, it is once again as an observer rather than a participant that Sidney gleans information and an opinion of Lucy as a fellow traveller in a coach. He is undoubtedly attracted to her engagement and commitment and a willingness to fight for a cause, which would, I think, appeal to Sidney's underlying and latent sense of principle. Sadly, Sidney has turned his clarity of thought and cynicism on himself. He sees he is worth no more than those he dismisses and mocks. He recognises his own role in the grand scheme of role-playing and self-advancement. But then he finds someone and something to believe in, someone worthy, but of whom he feels he is unworthy. Yet love does not need to be reciprocated if it is truly unselfish and based on admiration. Through Lucy, Sidney recognises the worth of Dr Manette and Charles Darnay, inspiring him to make his contribution to their cause by making the ultimate self-sacrifice, allowing those he loves and admires for their strength of principle and cause to continue their lives and fight. This rebirth or awakening suggests that change is always possible in man, though inspiration may be required. Published at roughly the same time as Les Miserables, I'm struck by a variety of similarities between the two works. Love and devotion as a source of redemption and inspiration for action, the setting against a background of sacrifice and revolt against injustice, fighting for a selfless cause involving social injustice, and the challenging of social, political, philosophical thought. I found Ralph Thomas's direction brisk, engaging and intelligent. Sidney Carton remains relatively unimportant and unimpressive in the first half, observing other characters who are much more engaging and absorbing as they act, which makes Sidney's actions all the more impressive in the second half. Thomas captured the peasants' degradation and suffering of social injustice, their desire for change and revenge, yet spurred on by the underlying justice and integrity of their cause. I did find Dorothy Tewton a little too sweet as Lucy, but I thoroughly enjoyed Dirk Bogard as Sidney as he gained strength and conviction. My thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you find it of some value. Please join me again soon for a discussion of more films and books.